You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, we officially made it. Um, It is the day of training camp. Uh, I am recording on Tuesday at apparently peak breaking news hours because, uh, once again, getting some breaking stuff just as I'm sitting here trying to get prepared with the notes that I thought I was going to be talking about. But Julio Jones, as of about five minutes ago, just went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I don't have a lot of details yet. I don't have the contract details in front of me quite yet. But I think the worst tweet that I've seen so far is from Adam Schefter. And, you know, take it for what it's worth. I don't, I don't know what this means. And Maybe today when Brian Gutekunst takes the, uh, you know, talks to the media or Matt LaFleur or whatever, not that Matt would know, but um, the question will probably come up about Julio and maybe they'll give a little bit more insights. But Adam Schefter reports Julio Jones drew interest from, amongst others, the Green Bay Packers and Buccaneers, but Tampa was the most aggressive in giving its quarterback a new offensive weapon. So the, the problem is it's easy enough to say, look, the Packers clearly were not interested in Julio. If they were, they could have paid the guy and he could have been here by now, right? That's that's simple enough. If this report is true, then it turns out that's not true. It turns out that the Packers did want to add more firepower to this offense, did want Julio Jones on this team, did feel that that would add to um, our ability to win a Super Bowl, and ultimately was outbid, outmaneuvered by Tampa. Now, that's a stupid way to put it. Because there's no maneuvering, it's a simple matter of, of how much are you willing to offer, and the Packers drew a line, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, that line is always flexible, because Tom Brady says, I want him, and that's it. So they're going to overpay, and the Packers are not, and that's the bottom line. But it still doesn't look great. When the narrative for how many years, and this is coming from someone who's really tired of the wide receiver narrative, but... It's been how many years of people begging to just go out and do what it takes to get Aaron Rodgers what he needs. Whether that narrative has been warranted or not, that has been the narrative. And we clearly are in a situation right now where we don't have a very clear wide receiver one. We don't know who that's going to be. We don't know if we're going to have one. And I don't know that Julio would have been that either. I don't know that he'd play a full year. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know anything about what he would bring. But again, if it's true that the Packers did try to bring in Julio and failed, that looks bad. Because I think what people really want is to say, to heck with your line, your line in the sand, to heck with everything that you're saying about that's too much money or that's too much this or that's too much that. If you think he's going to help you win a Super Bowl, go pull the trigger. Do it. Win it. Go win him. Bring him in. And they didn't. Now, again, 
I don't super care all that much. I mean, I do like Julio. I think some of the problems with Julio are overstated. You know, I mean, if, if we're trying to find somebody that doesn't have an injury history, that's where we're clearly out of our minds here. I mean, Devontae Adams has an injury history. And yeah, it's been two years in a row. But e- even still, I mean, you look at it and say, yeah, he's, he's washed up and he's injured. Okay, well, first of all, there's no guarantee that he's going to be injured this year. He did play the, the majority of the season. He played in 11 games. And his really big down year was a 76.5 overall grade. The year prior to that with Atlanta, it was an 86.3. So we're two years removed from him still being one of the more elite premier wide receivers in all of football. And really, if you look at his, his grades, he, he was great in just about every single game. There were, there were two in which he didn't perform super well, Pittsburgh and San Francisco. And by the way, this is in Tennessee. It's a very different style of offense than what you'll have in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. So, you know, I, I've always thought that Julio probably deserves a little bit more credit. Yeah, he might be over the hill, but even over the hill, if, 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 and even if he doesn't, it doesn't even matter if he doesn't, if he does exactly what he did last year in Tennessee, it's not the worst thing in the world. People look at 500 yards and a touchdown, they go, that sucks. First of all, he's never been a touchdown guy. That's always been the knock on Julio Jones. He doesn't give you touchdowns. But I mean, if Julio can be a guy that gives you, I mean, what did he do two years ago? He played in nine games and got 771 yards. I mean, over 17 games, that's like 1,500 yards. That was just two years ago. So again, he, he had one slight down year with a brand new offense when he was injured, coming off another injury. I get the concern, I, I, and we'll see what the contract details are. If this guy got a billion dollars, then forget it. I don't care. But if we find out that this is not that big of an offer and they backed off, I'm probably not super thrilled about it. And, and I know this is a, a, a different take than I usually have. But, but again, it's just it's this, this fact right here. I generally have a I trust the Packers point of view. And if they say Julio is not a good player right now, we've watched the tape, things are not great, I believe that and I buy into that. But if you're telling me that you evaluated him and you like what he does and you like what he brings and you do think it would be a good idea to bring him in, then you got to bring him in. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. So again, I'm hoping for some clarity on this. We've, we've seen this in the past. There have been several times where you'll hear that the Packers had interest and they'll kind of shrug and go, yeah, I mean, we, we made calls. It wasn't really serious interest. That's entirely possible. That's entirely what uh, could entirely be what, what this whole thing is about. Obviously, anytime the Green Bay Packers make any kind of call, I mean, he, he even said amongst others, the reason why he handpicked Green Bay is for this exact reason, because everybody wants to know who the Packers want to pick up at uh, wide receiver. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to poke fun at them. Everybody, you know, they're, they're never going to, if the Packers are attached to any player that did or didn't go there, they're going to mention the Packers. But again, I, I've always been big on, on Julio uh, amongst all the other options. And again, my, 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 the whole reason I've said don't worry about it is because my assumption is Julio wants a lot of money. The, the, there's no way this guy is just sitting out there and nobody's going to bring him in. But that's an assumption, just like my assumption that the Packers must not be interested or they would have brought him in. Clearly, that was incorrect. The other thing to consider, though, is, you know, again, if this was real interest and not just some, you know, the Packers call everybody type situation, it's very possible they, they start to up their offers to other players that are still available. Fuller, OBJ, et cetera, et cetera. Although it might not be et cetera, et cetera. Those might be the only two left that are big name guys. I don't know. But that's something to keep an eye on. Possibly they, they may go out and do that. But that'll be the biggest thing to keep an eye on. I'm hoping somebody asked that question about, you know, the interest in Julio and how real that was, but we will see. Something else to consider, by the way, 
it is entirely possible that Julio just wanted to go to Tampa, not because the Packers are bad or he hates Rodgers or any of that stuff, but it's a rival of the Atlanta Falcons. It's possible that played into the situation. So we'll wait and see, but it is very interesting if the Adam Schefter report is true that the Packers were trying to get Julio. Anyways, um, can move off of that now. A couple different minor things here. First of all, don't forget that the hard knocks this year is going to be the Detroit Lions, so that'll be kind of cool. Um, not for anybody that, well, not for 95% of people, but for me, wanting to get some insights into the Detroit Lions and kind of get a feel for what that's all about over there, I think it'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> I cannot continue. We got more more news here. This is via Zach Cruz on Twitter, um, and we'll, we'll get into some of these signings, but um, the Packers signed Ty Clary, center, wide receiver Osiris Mitchell, and defensive back Dante Vaughn. They released defensive lineman Hauti Patuta, which, no offense to that guy, but I am so glad he got released because I never want to say his name again. Safety Trey Sterling and cornerback Raleigh Texada. So those three were released in uh, corresponding moves with these three new signings. And again, this is a regular thing with the Packers to constantly shuffle the bottom of the roster um, if you feel like you don't have anything with these guys, you want to bring in some more and you just keep cycling them through and cycling them through and cycling them through. And hopefully eventually you catch something. It's like, it's like mining for gold. You send so much dirt through this thing so that you get these tiny little flakes of gold out of every, you know, 50 billion pounds of dirt. It's a slight exaggeration, but that's, that's the philosophy behind it. Oh, somebody spelled it out. How Ati Pututau. Pututau. Hawati Pututau. Fair enough. Well, I don't need to know it now. Anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. Anyways, hard knocks and whatnot. Um, I just I just want to say this real quick. Pat Mahomes is an idiot. All right. I've had this note for a couple days, and I don't really know how to elaborate on that, but there's a, a video of him literally practicing no-look passes and behind-the-back passes. I don't know if somebody's telling him to do this or if this is his thing, but this is stupid. To think that you are so unbelievably godlike in your capabilities as a quarterback that you have to start adding unnecessarily unnecessarily difficult things just for the sake of doing it. I I, I never have had any ill will toward, toward Pat Mahomes until like right now. I just want you to fail. Why would you practice a no-look pass? And don't give me the, any of this nonsense about looking off a safety. You can move your eyes for a fraction of a second to look at the guy and then throw it. You don't have to keep your eyes on the safety as your arm is moving. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. That would be like a wide receiver practicing like a backflip catch. You know what I mean? Like do a, do a flip and catch it between your legs. No, how about you just work on being a wide receiver? Work on doing things properly. I mean, I'm, I'm not positive. I'm, I'm not a technician when it comes to throwing a football. But I have a feeling, look where you're throwing is what you learn when you're four years old. Keep your eye on the ball kind of thing. I know it's in reverse when you're catching it, but still, maybe look at the target you're throwing at. I feel like that's, that's throwing a football 101. I would be so annoyed if I was a Chiefs fan and I see him practicing behind the back passes. What, how, how stupid is this? Well, it's an extra layer of, of deception. Dude, they can't see through the offensive line anyways. 
And so if you have somebody running past you, there's going to be a guy there that's saying, I wonder if he got the ball, and they can't really see what's going on. So whether you toss it in front of you or throw it behind your back, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. Your hands are empty, his hands have a football in it, and he's running with the football. Somebody's going to run, chase, and tackle. This is so stupid. And he's so apparently, and I didn't know this, so unbelievably arrogant that he needs to practice no-look passes and practice behind-the-back passes. This is stupid. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, On the Bears' front, pretty much everything is kind of back in order. Robert Quinn did report um, there's still some potential that it's not going to work out, but seemingly he's not holding out or anything, so seemingly Robert Quinn will be participating in in training camp activities and will be playing the season. Um, Their safety, Jaquan Brisker, did sign his contract, so there's no issue with him not being able to play um, prior to the start of the beginning of training camp, which, again, there was never really any doubt that he was not going to play for an extended period. I was hoping maybe he'd miss, like, at least one practice, just for the sake of that extra little, little something, but... And then Roquan also is there, although I don't know that Roquan is going to um, participate. My belief and understanding is that he showed up probably due to some kind of obligation. I don't really know, but he is not going to be participating in training camp activities, which is kind of cool. Uh, just and, and I don't know exactly what's going on, but I could understand from his sake saying, I have to do this. This is something that we have to do for the sake of the contract that needs to get ironed out. But I still want to be here. I want to be with my teammates. I'm going to you know, study the playbook and do all the stuff that I have to do to make sure that once you pay me, I'm ready to go. If that's what's happening, I can respect that. Because it's, it's, it's also an option to just not show up. And just be like, nope, I'm not coming. Don't care. Not playing. So anyways, it was fun while it lasted, kind of picking on the Bears. But they're kind of getting back at it. Also, I have not finished my Chicago Bears uh, preview mostly just for lack of time. It's real. I'm kind of flying through it. It's not taking very long, but I don't like doing it because I'm starting to feel less pessimistic about the Bears. Like I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know, man, they might be okay. One of the things they did that's really shifted my perspective, and it's not a good roster, but they picked up Riley Reef. So Riley Reef, uh, formerly of the Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings, heading over to the Chicago Bears. So as of right now, presumably Riley Reef, who I think is a better left tackle than right tackle when I looked at it, is going to be their new left tackle. Here's the crazy part. This is how bad their offensive line was. Tevin Jenkins apparently is so bad that he was about to lose the starting job to a 2021, I think, sixth round or fifth round pick. I can't remember. Larry, uh, Larry Borum, who is, going to be, who is, I believe, going to be the right tackle currently. But the left tackle, you would assume, would be the second-round pick. And remember, Tevin Jenkins, maybe you don't remember, was a guy that they traded up. They traded up for Justin Fields, and they said that was a massive steal. He fell. He shouldn't have fallen this far. We traded up. We absolutely stole him. They traded up again in the second round for another guy that, quote-unquote, really fell in the draft, which, again, why can't we just assume that if a guy falls, it's because he's not good? Good good players probably aren't going to fall. Anyways, he fell into the second round. They traded up. They got him. They gave away all their draft capital to trade up for those two players. So they're they're completely out of draft picks and some of them from this current draft class they lost, I believe. Anyways, you would assume he would be playing left tackle. You would be wrong. 2022 fifth or sixth, I think fifth round pick. Heck is his name? Braxton something? I don't know. I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. But a, a rookie fifth round pick was slated to be the left tackle. Now, he could lose the job. It could go to somebody else, but that's crazy. 
And it was so, it, it's so bad to the point that they had to go out and get somebody. And I think they got a good player. Uh, Riley Reef is getting a little bit older. Seems like his grades are slipping slightly, but he's at least adequate. So now they've got an adequate left tackle. Cody Whitehair is not great, but he kind of fluctuates from year to year. So it's possible he also has a good year. Uh, they upgraded center massively with Lucas Patrick, who's who has a offensive coordinator that's going to be running things that he's familiar with. So that's an upgrade. They also brought in a uh, free agent guard. I don't know that he's going to win the job over Mustafer, but I would be shocked if he doesn't because Mustafer is trash. So they've got a longtime journeyman free agent that is going to be probably coming in playing right guard. And then right tackle, you got Borum, who wasn't terrible. And offensive line is like the worst part of... Now, that's that's the rosy outlook. The pessimistic outlook is Riley Reef continues to decline. Cody Whitehair has one of his really bad off years. Lucas Patrick is, let's be honest, a backup. Sam Mustafer is complete trash. And Larry Borum is a subpar late round pick. But still, it's not looking at it and going, this is clearly the worst offensive line of football. You can at least get to the point where you go, meh, maybe. And then I'm looking at Justin Fields, and it's like, man, if you look at the last half of the season, he was a, granted, he only played like four games in the last half of the season, but still, three of those four games, he graded out quite well. He was graded as a decent quarterback um, in those four games, or again, you can go last half of the season, but we're really just comparing his four games to everybody else's half of a season. But you got that rosy outlook. You got a rosy outlook of the offensive line. You got the running backs that are in place. They got uh, Khalil Herbert, I think is his name. The number two running back that's maybe even probably better than their number one running back. You got Mooney, who's pretty decent at wide receiver. Quinn's coming back. Uh, Kadin Muhammad from the Colts is coming back. Or not coming back, but he's he's joining you know up with his Colts coach. Jalen Johnson isn't great, but he took a step in year two. Maybe takes another one in year three. They got the two rookies. Maybe they make an impact. I just don't want to be blindsided if if everything comes up heads. You know what I mean? If everything goes positive. And I said this before, that there is no path for the Bears to be a good team. And I'm starting to just see the path. Again, everything has to be perfect, but I'm looking at it and I'm going, ah, crap. I thought it was a sure thing that they were going to suck. And I don't know that it is. It's a pretty sure thing, but it's not a sure thing anymore. But I'm, I'm kind of to the point where I can at least see a path to them contending for being third in the NFC North. I'll say that. Anyways, I, th- I think I'm just excited, man. I'm, I'm getting so whipped up into, um, I mean, it, it's that off-season optimism, but I'm just feeling so excited. Like, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm getting excited for other teams, and I'm maybe getting excited for the Bears, so something's going wrong here, and I need to just relax. I need something horrible to happen so I can get back to hating the Bears. I'm just, I'm just in a great mood, and it's weird. I need to turn on Roadhouse so I can be in a sour mood. <laughs> just kidding. Why don't we, let's... Let's look at Goose's question here, um, then we'll take a break. says, uh, the Bakhtiari news is pretty rough. I'm not saying he 100% won't be back, but you have to be realistic about these things. So if he isn't back, what do you think our preferred offensive line will be week one? He says, I think it's Nijman, RJR, I think it's JRJ, Myers, Ryan, and Newman. Well, I mean, we we know uh, Elton's not in the competition, so... Tackle is going to be tough because I don't know that we have a lot of great options. I know I know Yash is super popular, and I think he's great, all things considered. That is to say, based on our expectations, he's better than expected, but it's, it's certainly not anything more than, um, wouldn't want him to be anything more than a, a quality backup. But again, we don't really have any other better options. And it's also hard to, it's hard to say because we don't know. I don't know what we have in Cole Van Landen, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Rashid Walker. 
I know he's injured, but hopefully at some point he'll be able to play. Caleb Jones, you know, so... I mean, the, the offensive line that they're going to trot out probably immediately is going to be Yash, John Runyon, Josh Myers, and then maybe Royce and then CVL, Cole Van Lannan, maybe to start off. Otherwise, if Royce is at tackle, then I forget who they had inside. I don't recall. But ultimately, what we're really trying to figure out is, is who are the two guys on the right side. And um, I, I do think Royce is a part of that at some point or, or on some level be just because of his experience. Ideally, he's not. No offense to him, but just because we come to find out we have some really good options outside of Royce that are better than Royce. You know, that's the only reason I would say that. But I, I think he ends up being a part of the plan. The question is, is he a right guard or a right tackle? And depending on which spot he's in, who ends up filling in the other spot? And so I, I like your recommendation to put Royce at right tackle just because we know at the very least we have Sean Ryan and Zach Tom, and you have to assume one of those guys can play. And yeah, I tend to agree Sean Ryan probably makes the most sense. We don't have a lot of information to go on. Uh, Cole Van Lannan did play last year. He played a lot of left guard, but his other second position was right tackle. He did end with a 65 overall grade, 72 run blocking, but a 36 pass blocking. That's going to be the biggest issue with him is he's got to shore that up, um, which kind of makes sense. He's, he's a Wisconsin guy, so he's going to be big, burly, strong, push guys out of the way type of a guy. So so I don't know that he's necessarily the best fit. And so, again, I keep coming back to essentially your offensive line. We know Yash is the left tackle. We know John Runyon is – I shouldn't say we know, but very strongly believe John Runyon and, and Yash will be on the left side. Josh Myers will be the center. And because I just think we have more sure options at guard, I think Royce probably takes that right tackle spot. The other guys that played right tackle last year, uh, you know, preseason and whatnot, Yash did, but we've already got a spot for him. And then Dennis Kelly and Ben Braden, and that's it. And those guys are not on the team right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think Cole Van Lannan does get a leg up to start. He actually did get one snap in the regular season, week 17 against Minnesota. But I think you start with that because these are the guys that understand things. But again, I think either Sean Ryan and or Zach Tom end up winning some kind of a position. So it's hard to say what best case scenario is because I don't, again, I don't know how good any of these guys are. And it really, it, you know, it, it makes it makes it a real interesting offseason. Does Royce take a step? What do we have in Zach Tom? What do we have in Sean Ryan? Cole Van Lannan, again, I keep bringing him up because for, for whatever reason, Packer, or yeah, Packer fans just forget that he exists. but. He's a six-round pick, just like John Runyon was a six-round pick, just like you know a lot of late and mid-round guys are. He's been getting more opportunities than all these other guys. And we saw, in, in, again, in training camp, he was getting a ton of opportunities. So I, I think that's somebody we have to keep an eye on more so than anybody really is. Um, there is a realistic possibility that Cole Van Lannan is a starting tackle week one. So again, it's just something we have to familiarize ourselves with his name because it's a very real possibility. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break, Russia? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore day for more support podcast. Make sure you please call in to the Packernet After Dark uh, podcast because I am having a blast and I don't ever want to have a day where I don't get to do it. 608 501 Plus, Tom Austin is basically just taking over the show, uh, taking it over from JJ apparently because he runs the show. I don't know. It's very confusing. Um, I haven't quite figured it out. 608-501-0718. Call in. Talk about whatever you want, man. It's a free-for-all. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to play it. And um, I got a little, I got the bleep button if I need to use that. 
So um, we're we're good to go, you know. We'll be all right. And I, I just got done listening to Clayton, so I'm I'm developing a southern accent, and I apologize for that. It happens sometimes. Some of the brain cells start to flicker on and off a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. So the football heavens have heard my cry. They have heard my plea. I said I'm, I'm warming up too much to the Bears. And I need somebody to do something so stupid that I hate the Bears all over again. And my goodness. I don't think anything else could. This is, this is, this is. You ever have that situation in your life where you're trying to figure out what the best case scenario is and you craft in your mind, you know, what, a, what, what something perfect would be and it ends up happening and it's better than you thought. Maybe it's the exact opposite. You're thinking, hey, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen and somehow it's even worse than that? Whatever. The point is, if you had asked me, all right, you want something bad to happen, handcraft a scenario that somebody would say or do something. I wouldn't have been able to come up with this. This wins, this beat, this beat my, my best expectations. One of the lowest, and, and you got to understand, there's some people that are in the sports media world that are just kind of putrid. There's a couple of people that I'm not a real big fan of. 
it's, it's, it's always kind of an interesting industry because the level of arrogance, you would think that, that these reporters are making like seven figures driving around in BMWs and, and just, you know, running, running whole countries. The egos that they have, it's incredible. But there's, you know, there, there's a handful of Vikings or at least one that's like this guy, the low life. There's a couple of Packers reporters that I'm certainly not um, super fond of. But man, if, if I had to pick one that I just, you know, Hub Arkish might be that guy. This is the, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. This is the reporter, the person that, um, for some reason, you know, I, I guess who cares what the criteria is? They're, they're all reporters, but they, they, he gets to vote on who wins MVP. He didn't vote for Aaron Rodgers because he didn't get the vaccine. Quote, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. Has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah. Pause. That's what the question is, you jaguar. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice here. Oh, I, tried, I tried to hit the beep, and I hit the mute, and then I muted the beep, so that was just a really awkward thing. It's fine. Mute works just the same. I'm being nice here, though. I'm sure he's a great guy. The question of MVP is most valuable player. Player, which is what you do on the field. You play... On the field. Has he been the most valuable player on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, maybe even Tom Brady. Okay, whatever. The point is, I'm choosing to be biased because I don't like him. He goes on to say, so from where I sit, the rest of it is uh, why he's going to be my choice. Do I think he's going to win it? Probably. A lot of voters don't approach it that way. I do. Which, you know, and then he goes on to say, I'm, I'm not supposed to say who I'm voting for, so I probably shouldn't be talking about who I'm not voting for, but whatever. I don't care. I do what I want, et cetera, et cetera. He goes on to follow that up saying, at the end of the day, the idea that there was any, any personal bias is ridiculous. You literally said you have personal bias. You said you're not voting for him because of his off the field, whatever. He punished the team and the fans or whatever. Just stupid. He goes on to say, there's nothing that requires that the MVP be considered for on the field actions only. Okay, then you're considering off the field. You're just talking over yourself. And I wish the guy would just be honest. That's the other thing that's annoying about this. And I, I know we're talking about an issue that's old, but I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm fully explaining why this tweet annoys me so much. And it starts with the person annoys me so much. But again, you, you, you're, you're trying to sound brave and heroic about, I'm going to not vote for him because of this. But yet I'm not going to say that I'm doing that. And I'm going to say that there's no bias. And there's, would you just pick a lane and go with it? Either do your job and vote for the most valuable player or be biased and say, yes, I'm biased. Do something about it. I hate this cowardly, like, I'm going to be brave, but I'm also going to, like, hide and lie at the same time. Like, dude, just shut up. I think the worst part is he says, Rogers brought a ton of liabilities to the Packers this year. That was always my issue. Then the next sentence says, he clearly is the MVP. I don't dispute that in any way. It's tremendously subjective. And, you know, I think I got it right. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just referring to who he's going to win. I don't know, but geez. Anyways, Roger shot back, and I got to read this. He says, I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments, which is true. I'd never heard of the guy. I listened to the comments, but to say he has his mind made up uh, in summertime, in the off season, that has zero chance of winning MVP, in my opinion, should exclude future voters. That's a good point. 
He says, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me, doesn't know anything about me. I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. His problem is that I'm not vaccinated. So if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an extra letter to put on an award just for this season and make it the most valuable unvaccinated player, apparently that's the end of the sentence, but so that's Hubarkish. He he is a sort of biased guy who who just doesn't have the ability to be subjective or objective, excuse me, and separate out your biases in the world and the things that are going out there and talking just about football. To just come in here and be like, here's what's going on in the football world. Here's what Rodgers does as a football player. No, he's got to bring all this other stuff into it. I don't like that. On top of that, he's also an incredibly biased Bears fan. So he hates Aaron Rodgers because he's a Packer. He hates Aaron Rodgers because he's unvaccinated. He's completely politically biased. He's completely, you know, Bears biased. And to me, that just makes you not interesting as a reporter because you're not objective. You, you, you don't, I read what you say and it's like, I don't know if I can trust this. Anyways, here is what the silly man had to say. Of course, Bears have to sign Roquan. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. But if someone wanted to give them the Khalil Mack deal, say two ones and a two, knowing how much work the Bears have to do and how Mack deal worked out, what do you do then? You know, and, and again, I just sit here and I look at it and I go, man, this is silly. You know, I mean, it's not even a matter of, gee, I should be making more money because I do a better job than him. Literally everybody does better than him. Pick a rando off the street that's a Bears fan, and, and, and they're not going to come up with this nonsense. How deluded do you have for any linebacker? Darius, a.k.a. what's his new name? Um, Shaquille Le- Shaq Leonard? That dude is not going to give you two ones and a two. I don't care what linebacker you're talking about. You don't give up two first-round picks in a second for any linebacker. And Roquan sucks at football. Please pay this man. I want you to pay him $25 million a year. Let's just be real. If you're giving up two ones and a two, that's that's what quarterbacks get. That's that's what you give up for a quarterback, two ones and a two. So you know what? You should pay him $40 million. You app... going to be nice. I'm not name-calling on this podcast. I'm turning over a new leaf. I just... I just... I just don't understand it, man. Executive editor of Pro Football Weekly, analyst at Shaw Media. He works at the Daily Herald, sideline reporter for Westwood One, NFL insider for 670 The Score. This guy is the ultimate Chicago Bears media guy. And this is what he comes up with. I mean, there are, what, 75 Packers podcasts out there? Some of them are better than others. Hopefully mine ranks relatively high on your list. If you're listening, I would assume so. Maybe it's your first time and you hate it, and I thank you for stopping by. Of those 75, you want to know how many are this stupid? I would be stunned if it's more than one. And I've never heard it. I don't know which one that would be. And he, he's serious about this. He's dead serious about this. This, this is what I'm talking about. And, and sometimes I, I go on these tirades about the Bears, and I'm like, you know, it's just some rando on Twitter most of the Bears fans are, you know, it's not like that. You should just cool it because you're, you're fighting phantoms out there. Hubarkish is like the top of the top of the top here. He is Chicago Bears media. 
He is a premier Bears fan. He is supposedly the the thought a thought leader among Chicago Bears fans and Chicago Bears media, and he believes that Roquan Smith could potentially get a Khalil Mack deal for two first-round picks and a second-round pick. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the football deities for dropping this on my lap because I hate this team with such a passion, and I cannot wait for Roquan Smith to continue to get trucked by quarterbacks because he is a small child. I mean, it's it's just like the Pat Mahomes thing. It's like, I, I, I don't want to have an issue. Like, we're good. Everything's fine. And then you're so stupid. It's like, you know what? I want, I want everything about what you are to fail. I'm sitting here looking at the Bears going, you know what? Maybe it'll be fine. They'll be all right. They'll figure it out. I kind of respect what Poles is doing. I like that he comes in here and he's like, you know what? I don't care that you drafted Justin Fields. I don't care that you drafted Tevin Jenkins. These are not my guys. These are not my mistakes, and I'm certainly not going to be bound to them. So I will not be drafting offensive line and wide receivers to help this quarterback. That's not my problem. I will not be, you know, bound to Tevin Jenkins. He's starting on second team because, you know what? The guy sucks at football, and I'm not going to force a guy that sucks at football out there because that's not my mistake. That's somebody else's mistake. And if we got to eat it, we got to eat it. I respect that. I like that. Oh, and now we got more breaking news. Sammy Watkins was uh, on the non-football injury list. (laughs) This Julio situation. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, spoiler alert. If you don't like spoiler alerts, turn the podcast off, mute, hit, skip 30 seconds, whatever. Julio Jones is going to go to Tampa and he's going to light it up over there. And Sammy Watkins is going to be injured all year. And the, I told you so police are going to be going absolutely insane. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa wins a Super Bowl and, and Lambeau just flipping burns. Not, not going to be me that does it. I'm just saying it's this, you could not have written a script to make Brian Gutekunst look worse. Julio goes to one of the top NFC teams, if not the best NFC team, clearly a rival, although they're not division rivals, clearly rivals, contending for the NFC representation in the Super Bowl. Then we get news that the Packers also tried to get him and lost to Tampa. So there's, there's another L from Tampa. Great. Love those. Then the guy that we brought in, who has serious injury concerns, apparently is too injured to play the first day of training camp. So it's just, oh, loudy, 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 loudy. Anyways, I'll tell you what, why don't we just go ahead and look at these players that we picked up and we'll call it a day, all right? Starting off at wide receiver Osiris Mitchell. Osiris Mitchell is your prototypical Packers wide receiver at six foot five, 210 pounds. It just makes perfect sense. As a result, being that he has something freakish, whether it be 4-2 speed or 6-5 height or whatever, um, there will be a large contingent of Packer fans going, I think he's going to make it, man. I just got this. I don't know what it is. There's just this weird feeling that I think he's going to be the guy. I mean, he's special. You should just see him. And all it is is they saw 6-5 and just checked the box like, dude, this guy's going to be a star. He's going to be great. It's going to be a steal. Um 2021 undrafted free agent for the Dallas Cowboys. He played four preseason games, and that was the extent of that overall uh, 56.4 overall grade. He did have one good game, though, against Houston. Um, Three targets, two receptions, 31 yards, 73 overall grade. So there you go. Um, 
not much else to go on there, but going to work out Osiris at six foot five and continue our quest to build the largest and fastest, the largest offense and the fastest defense in the NFL. I don't know if you get some kind of a prize when you get there, although we probably already have it, but when we finally build this monstrosity of a, uh, of a team, I don't know, I don't know what happens. I feel like there's some kind of a master plan that Gutekunst is working on in the background. And it's like, we haven't won a Super Bowl. And he's like, shut up. This isn't about Super Bowls. And it's like, All right, what? I'm one away from my masterpiece. I'm just curious what, what's going to happen. But we'll find out. Six foot five, Osiris Mitchell is, is now officially on the team. We talked about Dallin Leavitt already. He is the uh, presumed special teamer. Excited about him. Do expect him to make the team for that exact reason. It's, it's all about special teams and he can do it. Um, by the way, Osiris Mitchell on special teams, just because, hasn't done it a ton, but he did do it a little bit in the preseason. Um, actually had a 70 overall grade, which is pretty solid. His grades in order, 47, 52, 69, and 83, so got better every single week, which be odd that it happened that fast, but who knows? Maybe he's a quick learner and he's a super stud special teamer now. I don't know. But uh, primarily was on punt coverage, so you kick the ball, go down, and smoke somebody. That was Osiris. Not a return guy or anything, just, you know, blocking and, and, and punching people. And finally, Ty Clary, um, every reason to be excited about him because we haven't seen anything yet. He's a 2022 undrafted free agent that Miami, for whatever reason, is like, eh, this guy's stupid, get him out of here, even though they haven't seen him do anything. Um, so we picked him up. But kind of cool because he is an interior guy for the most part. Uh, he's mostly listed as a center, but he did play a hefty amount of right guard. But it, it would give a little bit of flexibility, especially at center. We don't really have a lot of guys that can slide in there. So Ty just kind of brings that additional flexibility of being an interior guy that also is kind of primarily a center. Um, he is definitely more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, which I personally don't care about. But he's going to have to be able to pass block um, if you're going to be blocking for somebody like Aaron Rodgers at some point. And it's not as though he's not a good pass blocker regularly. That The issue is having occasional really horrible games. So if you look at a game-to-game basis, he was usually a better pass blocker than run blocker. Um, week three, week five, I mean, just in order. Three, uh, sorry, five, six, seven, eight. And then he didn't play again until his game against Penn State in the bowl game. And he was, again, a better pass blocker. However, the reason he's an 80 overall run blocker and a 65 pass blocker is because in week two against Texas, his pass blocking grade was a 6.5, and in week three, it was a 16.8. So occasionally, this dude is just trash, he just has real bad days. Um, so that would be the issue. But he's an undrafted free agent. There's going to be issues. Six foot four, 300 pounds, and uh, we'll bring him in, work him out, see how she goes. Stuff like this is cool because, you know, once the draft is over, you start trying to make phone calls. There's guys that you really, really like. And sometimes they come to Green Bay and sometimes they decide to go in another direction. It's like a big flurry of, you know, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because during the draft, you're sitting there just hoping, please pick me, please pick me, please pick me. Once the draft is over, for some of these guys anyway, some guys don't get phone calls, but for some of these guys are getting multiple phone calls and the teams are now saying, please pick us, please pick us, please pick us. And so this is just a situation where the Packers probably called Ty, tried to get him out to Green Bay. He ended up going to Miami. Miami decided they didn't want him and Green Bay's like, hey, Come on down. So, got our guy, man. But anyways, um, I'm going to leave it at that. Tomorrow's a big day. Sorry, today's a big day. Tomorrow for me, today for for the people listening. Big day with training camp, and um, I will be monitoring every little thing. Probably not going to be a lot of news, but I'm going to pretend there is, and I'm going to be stationed and ready to rock and roll. I'm hoping to do a a live video, not live during camp, but afterward to kind of recap it. And so if you want to tune in, 
don't don't take off work or anything crazy because you know how I am about my promises. I, I lie most of the time, but I would like to do that. We'll see how she goes. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com